When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. And now, Joe and Pat present Sports Talk's Person of the Day. Game, set, match, not on. Three sets of two, left six, six four, seven five, six seven, seven six. Rafael Nadal is the greatest tennis player ever played men's tennis. And last night he had to reach down for everything he has ever had. He was playing Dominic Team. Uh, Team, he's an Austrian. He's 25 years old and he hits the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. Big serve. And uh, he beats Nadal six love in the first set. Uh, so uh, you wonder if uh, this is going to be a quickie for uh, Rafael because he's had two tough matches already, right? He had a four-setter and a, he had, uh, I think he already, this was his second four-hour match. But it was a 1.04 a.m. here, 2.04 a.m. in New York when uh, Team missed uh, an overhead uh, when it was 6-5 in the tiebreaker and uh, that wanted for Nadal. And uh, they, they're saying 2.03 a.m. It was a discussion. Alexa told me 2.04 a.m. I wanted to be accurate. <laughs> but uh, anyway, 2.03 a.m. In, in New York, 4.49. That's the longest match Nadal has ever played at the U.S. Open. He's, he had a five-hour one. Uh, he's had some epic ones. He has epic matches because he does not hit it as hard as the greatest players but he brings it, he returns it better than anybody in history. So uh, it's uh, it was fantastic last night. It was a lot of fun, and I for some reason I like watching the late night U.S. Open matches, and I think it goes back to Connors. Uh, you guys, fifteen, eight, seventeen years ago, he was making that old man run mm-hmm. in the U.S. Open. He, he was past his prime, and all of a sudden, he was thirty-six or seven, and he made it to the semis or something. And I stayed up and watched him late at night a couple of times. And I, then he, the idea that these goofy New Yorkers still sit around and watch tennis at one thirty <laughs> in the morning is very appealing. I don't know. Did Steve Kerr make it to the end? He was there, sitting. He in the, was there. I think he might there. have stayed there. He the was entire there. Time. Ben Stiller was there. They do get the celebrities, but the one thing about tennis, I don't think the non 
I don't think the celebrities who show up for it are non-tennis fans. I think they're there because they love it. They really tennis. enjoy it, yeah. And they're, cause they're intense and watching it. And it's not like they're making a spectacle of themselves. Like Kerr was standing in the back, basically, of the, mm-hmm. of the front section of the lower bowl. And Stiller was just sitting there in a seat. But, uh, it was, uh, it was a hell of a match. And, uh, and it, Nadal now he's got now he's got to make he's, he's got to go after that Del Petro who hits the ball harder than anybody. So you think he's better than Federer? Nadal. Yep. Yep. I think at their prime, Nadal would beat him, but they're close. I think you got the three best players who ever played right now: him, Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic. Djokovic. Now mm. Djokovic has had some injuries and he's a little younger. Nadal's still only thirty-two. He'll, he'll yeah. win a couple more French before he's over. If he oh, doesn't. that's his that's his tournament. Yeah, man. He, yeah, he owns Roland Garros. Oh, yeah, a winning streak of seventy some matches there, or some mm-hmm. damn thing like that on clay. He does, but uh, you know what? I, the other thing I love about tennis, they play this brutal four hour and forty nine minute match, and instead of going to the net and shaking hands, Nadal goes around the net and gives hugs this Big guy hug. out and tells him. <laughs> Tells him that he played great and uh, much like know, we did at the end of sports talk yes, at the we state fair. We hugged it out at the state fair too. <laughs> hug it out, B. We <laughs> we hug it out. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. I watched Entourage regularly, and let's uh, hug it out. B is the uh, highlight of that show. Eleven French Open titles for Rafa Nadal. Mm-hmm. By the way, how many majors he got now? Uh, uh, Seventeen. One. He's won all four of them yep. at least once. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's gotten won. better on the fast surfaces when he was a when he was a younger player. It took him a long time to win U.S. Opens and uh, and uh, did you say he has seventeen majors? Yeah, wow. eleven French will get you started. Holy right? cow! Yeah. One Australian, two Wimbledon, and uh, three U.S. Opens, including last year. Mm-hmm. Holy cow! Well, and he he had terrible injury a couple of years ago. Oh, it yeah. looked like he was finished uh, yeah. when he was thirty. You know, it looked like he was finished. The, the big moment for him, I think, was when he had that long epic. Um, Final, Wimbledon final with Federer, where he finally beat Federer, because Federer yeah. was always the one that yeah, would right, beat him right, at right. Wimbledon, and he finally beat him. Oh, that was and won his, won his first, was, oh, was one of the best ever. I was up ever. at some relatives' lake cabin, and we on a beautiful Sunday afternoon up on some lake, we sat there and watched tennis. four hours of tennis between Federer and Nadal. It's not a sport that I follow on a weekly uh, basis, that's for sure. But I uh, really, uh, I do enjoy it uh, at, at Wimbledon and then here. And the, when you, you know, the when French you get to is the, like playing in mud. Yeah, well, when you get to the semifinals of these oh, majors, yeah, that's when. Like, I love. Yes. I will sit down and watch Wimbledon semifinals. Is the overall the health time. of tennis pretty good right now? I don't think so. I don't think you know. All you got to do is drive around and see the grass growing all all the tennis courts. And the you know it was the late seventies. It was Borg and McEnroe when every town, hell, every little outpost town in Minnesota built a built tennis a court. tennis court. You mm-hmm. know, and they they kind of went away. I don't know. And once these three, once this trio, yeah, once these ooh, guys yeah. are done, I mean. Well, I think Who's the next up? I think a women's game is in trouble because <laughs> when Serena's <laughs> done, Serena's still the best. You know, Serena has, has a baby, and three weeks later, she's still the best player in the world. <laughs> and she's 36 now, right? Isn't she 36? 36, yeah. Yeah. Sounds about right. And she played her. She ends up playing her sister in the quarterfinals. So, you know, and she uh, she's probably going to win it again. All right. Hey, one uh, couple of uh, night items from Seattle. Uh, we mentioned Earl Thomas is, is going to end his holdout and come back as a uh, – 
as a the, one of the greatest safeties in the world. And you told me he's younger than Harrison Smith. Yes. Really? Yeah. yeah. By a That's kind of surprising, isn't it? Yes. He's if, younger you, than if, Harrison if I would have asked you, you probably would have guessed that well, Earl was, Thomas was older. Was but. Harrison a 23-year-old senior? Is that... He might have... He might not have They were both early. born in 89, and Earl Thomas was born in May, and Harrison was born in February. Hmm. So. And uh, one other uh, thing, uh, I forgot to mention it to Tim when we were talking to him. We had a brawl among the Seattle Mariners uh, last night. Uh, Zanuno, uh, D. Gordon, uh, Johnny Height pointed out, and I, I read this too, D. Gordon asked the reporters to leave. And a minute later, the fight broke out. It was like an old bar scene in a Western. They came crashing out of the door of the place, uh, punching it. Zanuno and uh, one of the Hispanic guys, and I don't know what the, what, what the follow-up on it has been, but uh, Cervais, uh, the manager, uh, uh, came outside to talk to the media and said, well, this stuff happens. So. <laughs> but it sounded like it was, you know, Guys really going after each other in the in the. Uh, hey, you need that Maris. once in a while to get the boys going. I don't have you? the manager of the year uh, ballot and uh, in the American League, and I got Melvin and Kevin Cash. And for a long time, I thought maybe uh, uh, I don't know who I'm going to vote for yet, but. Well, it's got to uh, be Bob Melvin. Uh, it, well, a guy in Tampa is going to finish 15 games over 500 with that collection. Oakland, but is going to make the postseason. Yeah, you'd probably be him. And then Alex Cora. But I was thinking about Cervase, but I think uh, the way that team has gone in the tank. They really and, have. Yeah. And uh, the, uh, now the fight. I don't know. Do they, is he Cervase or Service? I think it's Service. I think, uh, yeah, I think it's Service. Yeah. Well, that's one of their problems. Got right. B-A-I-S. Come on here. Not, uh, it is French. Yes. Yeah, it's French. <laughs> Come on. He doesn't want to admit he's a Frenchman. Of course, neither do I. So, right. Okay. We'll be back. Boy, uh, the competition to uh, be a part of the last Friday Fun Fest musical guest line. Oh my goodness! We're not going to have one music. We're going to have eight different musical guests, and they're going to have to be in my top eight. That to, is a uh, selection. It. Holy it cow! Is. I mean, you know, Roy Orbison and uh, Linda Ronstadt are fighting to get in it. That's how tough this list is. So, uh, it's uh, you know, it's it's going to be difficult. Hey, but that you know it. what? That's why it's not easy to do this job, right? No, especially I got I got to start preparing my uh, list for the last Friday Fun Fest uh, momentarily. Tom Pelissero is with us, NFL.com. So the uh, Tommy, the uh, the hard part of the football season is over for you. You don't have to travel all over during the week, right? Yeah, still a little bit of travel here, Patrick. But uh, you don't have to bounce season, around but... as you don't have to bounce around as much, right? It's kind of a fun part of camp, though. Is you go in everywhere for one day. You know, you get everything that you possibly can. Everybody's brimming with positivity <laughs> because uh, they haven't lost a game yet. And then reality sets in uh, about this time. When does reality set in, though? When you're going to the various camps, do, do, do you does? When you're there in late July and the first 10 days of August, is the uh, attitude a little different than at the end of August? Or uh, has everyone managed to figure out a way to maintain their uh, their optimism? It depends in part on whether or not you're healthy. Yeah. I was out in San Francisco last week and heard so much about Jarek McKinnon, and then boom, a couple of days before they start preparations to the opener, he goes down with a torn ACL. You know, that guy was going to yeah. be a big part of the plan, not just this week against the Vikings, but... 
over the long haul of the season. And instead, you know, they'll trot out Alfred Morris and Matt Breida and kind of patch the thing together. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it looks when they get on the field Sunday over at U.S. Bank Stadium. And a completely different kind of back, Alfred Morris, too, right? Than uh, McKinnon, who's a guy you throw to and do a lot of that stuff, and uh, dart and dot type of uh, dash type of guy rather than a Morris kind of runs straight ahead, doesn't he? Right. Morris is more the, the physical type of a presence. But, you know, if you look back at kind of Seahawks crown, he's always kind of had a mix of backs when he was in Atlanta. He had Devontae Freeman versus, you know, Tevin Coleman. Burita probably now takes on more of the role that you would have seen McKinnon in, and then when they need to pound it a little bit, uh, you'll get a heavy dose of Morris. This will be a fascinating game, I think, for a lot of different reasons. There's a ton of talk about the two quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo. They both got paid. They're both the uh, future, but... You know, which of these defenses steps up and who can actually run the football? It's going to uh, play a bit pretty big role here. Tom, an uh, old rule kind of in baseball is uh, don't get impressed by something you see the last six weeks by a team that's out of it. Uh, I don't know if that applies to uh, Garoppolo with uh, San Francisco, uh, the fact that he played so well down the stretch. is certainly reason for optimism, but there got to be some flaws there that we haven't seen yet, wouldn't you say? Probably the big question on Garoppolo is the defense. You know, he just hasn't done it a lot. Um, that's something that people point to if you want to kind of poke a couple of holes in him. You know, he's wearing a vastly different offense. Kyle Shanahan asked him to do uh, is a lot different than what he did in New England, where everything is based on, you know, kind of run adjustments, some adjustments, you know, different routes against different coverages with Kyle. I mean, he, he schemes people open. He might be the best in uh, the NFL at that. You know, the interesting part is when Garoppolo, you know, he, he told me this when I was out there. It's, you know, he said, well, you know, kind of paraphrasing something Brady says all the time. When you when you win, you're a great ever. When you lose, you know, you're a bomb. We all know that. I'm like, yeah, but Jimmy, you haven't lost. You haven't heard that other part of it. You know, and so he's uh, he's not going to university that, uh, that everybody knows he's eventually going to face here. We'll see how he, uh, how he does with it. I was kind of laughing about the optimism of the Bears when they get Khalil Mack. Uh, but then I kind of looked at their depth chart today. I don't know about offensively, but uh, I don't know if they'll challenge the Vikings for the number one defense. But uh, they're going to be up there in the top seven or eight if they stay healthy, aren't they? Well, Vic Fangio is an awfully good coordinator. I think that, you know, what's really interesting with Chicago, they haven't had a defensive player go to the Pro Bowl in five years. I mean, it's, it's a lot of guys go to the Pro Bowl. Yes, <laughs> yeah, you know, subs and everything with, else, yeah. They've career on that defense, and they've still found ways to be pretty productive. I mean, there's no question that Khalil Mack is a, a game changer. Uh, he's going to be, now we'll see what kind of shape he's in, how many snaps they actually roll them out this week uh, against Green Bay but you know that guy I remember talking to people a couple of years ago and it's just you know the mismatches he created at that time the discussion within the league was basically whether or not Khalil Mack or Vaughn Miller was the best defensive player in the NFL and you, you kind of hear it both ways they're a little bit different types of players Mack's going to take on a little different role in this defense than what he had done but uh, he's pretty dynamic as a pass rusher and when you look at the commitment the Bears made, you know, even with getting the second round pick back, to give up a couple of ones and pay a defensive player twenty three and a half million dollars a year. Ooh. I mean, that's you're you're all in on this guy being able to make up for the fact that somewhat at three, four, five other positions now you may not be able to put those as uh 
you know, as high with as high of a draft pick with plenty of free agency because you want this guy on your team. Uh, Tom, uh, people uh, fretting the Vikings offensive line, they always are. How many solid offensive lines are there in the NFL? Not as many as coaches would like. I mean, everybody, everybody complains about the way it is at the college level now, the, how spread offenses. It's basically if you play left tackle in a spread offense, they go hut, stand up, and then the ball's out. You know, you never actually have to get into a stance to block anybody. Um, it's a, yeah, it's an epidemic. You know, it's coming up on the uh, kickdown day last weekend. It seemed like everybody was shopping, you know, their, their ninth, ninth offensive lineman. You know, a lot of interior guys were out there. It seems like tackle. Is much harder. Just the the body types are harder to find. But yeah, I mean everybody's got some issues. Even Dallas. I mean, two years ago we thought about Dallas having yeah. the greatest offensive line ever. Now they got Travis or, uh, Travis Fredericks dealing with an illness. They don't know when he's going to be back. Nick Morton's got a, a knee issue, bone bruise. He's going to be trying to play through. Tyron Smith has been breaking down. They've changed over the right side of the line. Uh, it can change quickly, and that's where you know the Vikings are hoping that for all the people you know scared about what the starting offensive line is going to look like. Let's also remember, in the preseason, and granted, you're not facing game planning there, but they trotted out lines that had four backups, basically, in front of Kirk Cousins for extended periods, and those guys held up adequately, at least. You know, in the Jacksonville game, that's one of the best fronts in the NFL. They got some pressure. They were in Cousins' space, but, you know, those guys, they're tough and they're smart. They feel like they can play with them, and really with Riley Reed and left tackle, Getting some of those guys back, Pat Elfline, it shouldn't be too long before he's back in the lineup, too. They're not as bad as uh, everybody seems to think. And, uh, boy, the biggest thing and to me in offensive lines the last 15, 20 years are injuries. Those guys didn't used to get hurt. Now they get hurt all the time. Yeah, it's, it's part of uh, what you're doing. Maybe teams are being, you know, not just shooting up everybody either. Maybe yeah. you're <laughs> trying to, like, take care of some guys and get them back full health rather than people play on bad knees and bad ankles because – they are so valuable. Um, but, you know, with the Vikings, too, you've got some pretty good perimeter players with Thielen and Diggs. You've got a really good bat. I mean, you see a lot of Delvin Cook probably sooner than uh, people are expecting it. You can, you know, get the run game going. You can take some pressure off because so much of what the Vikings want to do is get the boot legs going, the deep playoffs and shots and uh, things like that. That's kind of a whole different well, I think a case can be made to uh, take away the offensive line. The Vikings got the deepest personnel in the league. Uh, both, you know, the rest of the offense and the defensively. I mean, they're deep, man. I, I don't know that I've seen a team line up. Certainly in my uh, this is a dozen training camps, I didn't see anybody line up on defense that looks like they've got as much depth. I mean, how many Pro Bowl caliber talents do you have from 11 starting positions on defense? You can argue that you've got eight or nine Pro Bowl type of guys. Even with, you know, Mackenzie Alexander not practicing today, well, you got a first-round draft pick in Mike Hughes waiting to step in. You know, if something happens to Andrew Sandejo, you've got George Iloko who's played a lot of games at a pretty high level. Uh, they can step in. They've, they've got the horses on defense. Like everybody else, you're subject to injuries. And, you know, for the Vikings' sake, you're just you're happy right now if you're in that building that you don't have the drama right now. But they've seen the drama kick in after week one the past couple of years. I mean, think back to whether it was Teddy Bridgewater having the knee injury right before the opener, Sam Bradford having the mysterious knee ailment that developed out of the opener last year that was probably the best game uh, that Bradford's ever played in his life. Go back further than that, the Adrian Peterson issue where he played you know, the first game of the season that is on the exempt list. I mean, they've had so many big things happen with their core players, particularly on offense the past couple of years. If you can... 
you can stay healthy here and just not have that uh, to deal with, that's uh, that's going to make everybody happy. Uh, Tommy, uh, uh, your years uh, with the Vikings when you covered them uh, uh, extensively, uh, by then Fred Zamberletti had pretty much become a pundit who uh, wandered around at practice and said hello to people. But uh, you probably had a good conversation with Zambi or two. Oh, I, I talked to him many times, and uh, you know that one. That one hit home with me, and I, I read your your columns. That were fantastic. I think captured what 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 Fred was. He was just a unique kind of a character. He had so much institutional knowledge of the league and of the organization. Uh, and I still remember, you know, when I was uh, at fifteen hundred ESPN way back circa two thousand ten, I started writing you know my in depth film reviews on Monday. I remember Fred seeking me out, you know, and talking about him. And he would he would bring it up every Monday. He'd find me in the locker every Tuesday, really? whatever it was, and talk about it. He'd pull people aside. He always grabbed my arm. He thought it was hilarious when I would crush a guy for screwing up a play. <laughs> he just used to have that deep laugh of his. You know, just say, he's out here killing this guy. He killed him. He's pulling him other people over and telling them about the, the film of you. But, and he also, he also told people that I, you know, I was doing a good job, and that, that meant a lot. You know, he took interest in you. He made you feel dangerous and tough buddies. You know, hey, boy, and uh, the, the little greetings that he had, he just kind of had this disarming wing about him, and uh, that organization is just uh, never going to be quite the same. Hey, uh, one last thing. Who you got in the opener? Are you at I the... Make, uh, I don't make picks anymore, Pat. No, no, I, no, no. I mean, who you who you covering? Who you covering? Oh, I've got I've got the Vikings okay. 49ers. Hey, good for you. All week did my uh, did my advance work out there with the uh, 49ers last week. I'll be with the Vikings next couple of days. We'll have I'm sure wall to wall coverage on the NFL Network. All right, sir. We will see you. Thanks, Tommy. You got it, Patrick. Okay, uh, Tom Pelissero. He will be part of whatever the future might provide here at uh, 1500 ESPN. I'm not sure. Uh, I enjoyed. My last conversation with him, but I'm, I'm and he'll be you'll be able to hear Tommy's insights in some fashion in the days ahead. Okay. Give us thirty minutes, and we'll give you everything clubs. What is uh, slashing? Slashing is like that. <laughs> Jess Myers now joins the ride with Royce right for this edition of the Hockey Half Hour. Way to go, Ravers. We got that Tim Kirchner, uh promo there in under the under the well, wire, right? It was uh it was scheduled for five thirty and normally okay. we run Tim in the five All o'clock right. hour, so I'm used to uh moving it up, but uh, the uh, producer forgot. Hey, and by the way, we have our last ever uh guest here. Mark That's right. Anthony Mark's today. been back here stuck Mark, with me. Mark uh, was uh one of the bidders for the Courage Center, helped us out with the Courage Center uh fundraiser a last november and he's in here and i have discovered a real fondness for notre dame football uh, among this fellow so we had a little uh, notre dame football conversation so uh thanks for helping us our, out our friend chris long went to notre dame last oh, last week he went yes. to the game there do you see by the way i, I forgot I, to mention this to mark but i'm I, I really am weeping for all my irish relatives who yes. used to live and die with notre dame this week's opponent <laughs> on nbc Ball State. That means David Letterman might go to the game. Notre Dame playing Ball State. Ball State. 
Is there nothing sacred left in American sports? Even the Gophers have stopped playing Ball State. Yeah, we right? don't play Ball State. I think we play Eastern Illinois. My, my snarky, I don't know who the game three is. My snarky question for Chris Long was, did they raise the national runners-up banner for the hockey team when they, when they were there? That's right. You know, I'm, I'm still the Bulldog. He, uh, why, do we know why he loves Notre Dame? I don't know why he loves Notre Dame. I mean, he's an Irish kid, you know, maybe. And, well, I don't and, think Long's and, Irish, is yeah, it? I think, yeah. Well, maybe no, Mom's that, Irish with that, Red hair, he's got a he's got ah, some Irish he is. in him. Maybe he is. Okay. Yeah. So, There's got to uh, be some reason. He's an odd. Duck. You know, and it's an experience. He's an odd. You know, my mom would have called him an odd duck because he loves soccer and you know, <laughs> he, he gives a damn if the Tottenham Spurs win. Who cares? As long as they don't all die in a you know a plane crash or something, who cares about the Tottenham Spurs? All right. Hey, uh, we got a hockey item here. Blake Wheeler, five years, $41.25 million extension with the uh, Winnipeg Jets. Boy, I tell you, a guy can go up there and whine about being in Winnipeg, or he can play his ass off and decide to become Mr. Winnipeg, and it's profitable. This is a great story, Blake Wheeler. Absolutely, there. especially with, with Stastny kind of spurning them yeah. over the summer. They really thought they were going to get him to stay, and he decides mm-hmm. to go to Vegas. Uh, you know, Good for Blake Wheeler and you know a guy who's, who's earned it. And the best thing about it is, I thought, in the press conference, they said, you know, how do you build on last season's accomplishments? And he was frank. He said, hey, we didn't accomplish anything last year. Mm-hmm. We didn't win the division. We, the didn't, we didn't go to the Stanley Cup Finals. You know, We didn't and do anything you can hang up banner for. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the right attitude to have for this team, especially as young as they are, to is say, he about hey, 30 now? What is he, 30? He's got to be older than that. He's got to be about 33. Okay. You know, he came, well, he came in in him. that 05-06 class after mm-hmm. coming out of Breck and being a great player there, and, you know, and still jokes about the year that he spent playing for the Green Bay Gamblers. He said it was the worst year of his life just because he's a huge Vikings fan mm-hmm. and couldn't stand living in Green, <laughs> in Green Bay in the midst of the Breck That's Farm right. Hype. He did the skull chant he did the skull when he was here with the Jets. The bench yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was here playing for the Jets the night before the uh, before the Minneapolis Miracle game, and you know uh, we've talked about this before, Jess. But he he did not have the career at the Minis- at Minnesota that a lot of people thought he was going to have. Number five overall draft pick by mm-hmm. by Phoenix, and just yes. you know never lived up to that and expectation. They let him walk. Yeah, they let him go. You know he winds up bouncing around. He was with Boston for a while. He wound up in Atlanta, and then that's how he got to Winnipeg. And but he, uh, Reavers, this is weird. He, this guy's the number five overall draft choice, and they mm-hmm. basically, and all the tools too. And they basically don't sign him early enough to keep him. Right. Well, you know, I mean, you, you, he ends up after three years, he can go where he wants to. You right? look at the genius of that Phoenix franchise. Yes, that right. was just another great move that they happened. To that make. wasn't was that after Gretzky already left. Gretzky, no, Gretzky, Gretzky was Gretzky the one who drafted him. Okay. Gretzky was in on that decision because okay. he said, that you know, Curvers was down there too. Right? Wheeler's famous story is he said, "I go from having he's sitting in the cafeteria at Breck High School, and two days later, I'm having a steak with Wayne Gretzky mm-hmm. in you know Raleigh because that's where the draft was that year." So, and yeah. they they let him get to a point where. They lost the rights to right, him, right? Right, Because uh, he decided to stay all four years at the U. You know, mm-hmm. didn't, didn't feel at any point he was ready to make the jump earlier. At least his, that's what his family advisors were telling him. So he played four years for the Gophers and then was uh, essentially a free agent. It always frightens me that the state fair comes and goes, 
and there were and at that point we're about two weeks from the start of hockey practice. Oh, when yeah. do these guys go to their rookie camp? Uh, yeah, well, they have the rookie uh, festival thing this Traver- weekend. They're going they to, Traverse go to Traverse City. They start Friday through Sunday. Uh, Traverse okay. City. They got the Dallas, Detroit, the Rangers, the Hurricanes, Blackhawks. I mean, a bunch of teams go to Traverse City. That starts Friday. They get Detroit right off the bat. So uh, you know that's that's, all- that's like Friday. <clears throat> this Friday. This Friday. That's Friday. Two days from now, they're That's, they're gonna have and and keep in mind these are the young guys, you know. Yeah, Jordan, yeah I know. Jordan Greenway and and Louis Belpedio are probably the only names you're gonna recognize among mm-hmm. some of these guys. These are the guys that are gonna be definite minor and leaguers. I got news for you. I'm only gonna recognize one of those, Jordan Greenway. The <laughs> other guy Greenway. I never heard of. But anyway, <laughs> all right. So so and Tim Army, who's the coach of the mm-hmm. Iowa Wild, is going to coach them this okay. weekend. So this is basically for your AHL team. But then you know the 14th, which is a week from tomorrow. They start training camp already. And here's the best part. Everybody has this rush now that, yeah, training camp starts at 14th, but we're going to get there, you know, 10 days early. We're going to start skating. So all these guys are downtown St. Paul at the new practice rink already. You know, okay. there's, there's pictures of, of Zach Parisi trying to figure out how to use the elevator. This is a beautiful facility they've got, mm-hmm. but the rink is on one level and the locker room is on like the lower level. So they all have to take an elevator to I, get to the I rink. I saw some notice of a media walkthrough of the place or something, but week, I'm not sure week, what it week is. From tomorrow, it gonna, okay. Yeah, they're going to show. Show off the place a week from tomorrow. And keep hey, in I mind, I got nothing to do next week. Maybe I'll go to the hockey huh? rink. How about that? I could do that. Andrew Zimmerman's going to have food there. So, that's the big idea. attraction. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this also, guy used to work with Andrew and uh, not number one on the fan list. No. Uh, <laughs> the always available Andrew Zimmerman. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, they're not bringing over the number one draft choice for camp, though, right? No, not yet. What is that? I they, I they, asked. Uh, I had Fenton for ten or twelve minutes out at the fair, and he it didn't sound like they're not bringing him over. No, they're bringing him slowly. You know. They, but can you not? You can do that. Oh, you oh certainly. I mean, you could get him into the your first system. time they've ever. I mean, even Joel Erickson Eck came over for uh, Jewel. By the way, they like to call him Jewel. Is the came first over name. for camp, right? Yep. Yep, but uh, no, they're going to leave him overseas for now. Take, you're taking it slow. Joel Erickson Eck will be with us for 82 games this year, right? Won't we, he? We, Won't yes. he will not be. He'll be the third line center or yeah, something, right? Yeah, he, he's, he, they're going to put gonna him be on the that team, role. Right? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I think that's time. I think that's that's pretty well. So uh, back to this practice rink. Here's here's the big thing. They've got a Tim Hortons in it. You know, now okay. if you're a hockey oh, rink, you have to have a Tim. live there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because you can get Tim bits. You can get that coffee. <laughs> Plus, home of Hamlin hockey now too. They yes, finally got right. a home. They're going to play there. Hamlin. I tell you what. Verdugo. The Whitecaps are going to play there. And, yeah. Verdugo's a genius man. He's 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 got his baseball team playing in CHS Field. Yep. And he's got his hockey team playing. And they used to play. And Oscar Johnson over here at Midway, right next to the state fairgrounds, and they had a satellite toilet. Yep, they had a, they had like a trailer, a camper, yes, or something right. next door where you could yes. you could change into your your yeah, stuff. Yeah, that was Darwitz's at, first. Darwitz was there, you know. They and Corey uh, Leyland still yep. their uh, they played at, coach. They played at the state fairgrounds Coliseum for a while. They played at Drake for a little while. I went Oscar to I Johnson, went to some man. games there. Uh, yeah, you talk about a team that's bounced all over mm-hmm. the place. So, well, good for them. Yeah, uh, did they practice down there too? They they're going to practice down there as well. Wow, might as well. You yeah. know, and and interesting setup, like I say, because the rink is on the top level. You got kind of this skyline view. They can from haul there. it. They can walk down the street and take the train if they want to. Now, right. keep in mind, this all could have happened ten years earlier. They had the state money approved. They were going to build a 3,000-seat rink right across the street from XL Energy Center. It was going to yeah. have a tunnel that went to the locker room. 
Tim Pawlenty vetoed it. He said yeah. it wasn't a good use of state funds. So, uh, so well, we had I, to wait. I'm glad they ended up with this. You got to, well, you, know, you get, you, you know, the old Dayton's for that big building. Yeah, the old Dayton's building. Yeah, you got a use for it. It's got a parking ramp attached. So, yeah, it'll be great. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, good, uh, good for them. Now, uh, we want uh, one more break, right? Let's take that. And yeah, that way, Jess and I will get our act together here and figure <laughs> out what we want to talk about. Getting you caught up on the week in pucks. It's the Hockey Half Hour with Jess Myers. Combination that requires the highest level of conditioning, speed, creativity. On the ride with Royce. Uh, Fenton is an interesting uh, cat. I've only been around him a couple of times, but uh, I, I guess... I guess he's a closed book when it comes to letting out information on his team, but he's a good storyteller and he's a character and you know, he's a he's he's not as it doesn't seem like he's as uh introverted as Chuck. He's not as a he's not you know, he's not like when you're talking to him, what are you up to? Right. You know, like right. Chuck was. He doesn't he not seems like- to be a but but he's not going to tell you anything. Chuck, and he's got, he's got seemed, my guy Curver, so yeah. I'm, I'm all for this. So. Chuck always seemed like he was trying to read you, you know, while yes, he was talking right, to you, right, and you yeah. know, kind of, kind of figuring out what angle you wanted. But, mm-hmm. uh, but I no. think he was probably worried about what you might and what might end up being said or written about him. And I doubt I did. I think this guy probably don't. Get and it. you're absolutely right. Curver's was a fantastic addition. Yes. You know, a guy who's paid his dues, been around the league and in some in some good places, part of some good teams. Mm-hmm. And for him to kind of finally come home, you know, I joked about it when mm-hmm. uh, when he got here. You, you may remember he was a North Star for about two hours on draft day one time. One of one of the many trades he was involved in. He was traded to the North Stars, and like two hours later, they traded him to the Islanders. So he never wound up actually playing here. Did so he win f- a cup? Did he win a cup with He the, won a cup uh, in Montreal in, Montreal, in 86 okay. when he was a rookie. He was injured, though, so he okay. was never on the ice, but, but his name is got, got, got a cup and, and got a ring and all that. That was part of that shocking transition in Montreal when they went out and got Tom Kerberts mm-hmm. and Chris Chelios, and everybody was up in arms saying, what are we doing bringing in Americans? And, well, it turned out well, to I work. said to Fenton after we were done, I said, boy, that owner of yours is a goofy guy. <laughs> and he said, I mean, I love him. He's great because he's an owner with personality sure. who will give you a hard time. He says, "Yeah, ain't he a? You know, <laughs> you know, he's not afraid to uh, uh, express an opinion. I, I think he'll be fine. But right now, you know, when they said tweak, when they kept saying tweak, I told him this. I said, he kept saying tweak. I didn't believe you, but that's about what this is. They that's haven't it. really done yeah. much. Little adjustment here and I, there. I think. Well, I guess they're trying to find out. Okay, this is your nucleus: uh, Granlin, Niederreiter, Coyle." Dumba, I mean, they're Dumba all in on Dumba, obviously, but they got about these six guys, and it's Zucker. It's time to say, uh, okay, are these guys going to be what they're supposed to be, or are we going to move them? Vegas is screwing up the plans, by the way. I thought Vegas would be really bad right from the start, and then yeah. they would overpay to get Zucker because yeah. he's a local guy and he scores goals, and that just hasn't happened. They've yeah, been they too good right plus, away. They don't need a local attraction. They right. Got and now they they're got, a free agent destination, as shown yeah, by the sure. Stasny trade. You know, with with you know, or with uh, with Stasny choosing to go there instead of playing in a real hockey market like Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that screws things up. I do like a couple of the tweaks, especially to kind of appeal to the local fans. You bring in JT Brown, who's still got yeah. some left in the tank, who a lot of people know from his time not only at Rosemont but at UMD, he won a national championship there. You bring Lord in Mackey Matt- from his daddy Teddy, man. Yeah? Teddy yeah. was quite a skater down there in North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then uh, Matt Reed, we finally have a beaver on the team after all these years. Really? We had, no, we had, I don't even know him. What's he, he's he's an Ontario kid. He was part of that, that Bemidji State team that went to the Frozen Four okay, in 2009. He was he was the best player did on that he, team. Did he play is he, how much NHL experience? He's been in the NHL since then. He's been part really? of that Philadelphia oh, team. Really? So, uh, yeah, he's played a, played a regular like second, third line shift on that team. So he's a nice little addition, too. And finally, like I say, you know, we've had Gophers, we've had Mavericks, we've had Bulldogs, we've had Badgers. Now we've got a Beaver on the team. It is amazing that, uh, you know, in every other sport, if if there's a Minnesota kid someplace, you're aware of it. Sure. Not necessarily in football, but, but in in basketball or baseball, if there's a Minnesota kid, you're aware of it. In hockey... Wow, there's they're all over the place. <laughs> you can't keep track of them. Right, exactly. That's what you know. You look at this beauty league thing. You got guys from every franchise essentially who come here. You know, spend mm-hmm. their summers here, play in this thing. You know, not a lot of them don't even live here. So, yeah. I mean, uh, most overpublicized <laughs> league in the history of sports, by the way, the beauty league. Everybody thinks they're doing something. Uh, I didn't get out there this you're summer. Not good I, for you. I, I, I don't feel like I missed a lot. You Congratulations. Know, I, I can watch scrimmages. Okay, anyway. uh, the hockey odds, uh, college hockey odds are out, and the national favorite is. Notre Dame, probably. Notre Dame and Denver both going both. off at 7-1 to one right so now. So Montgomery, uh, Montgomery left, right? Montgomery left, yeah. So who's their coach? D- David Carl. His brother Matt won oh, the Hobie. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. And, and he uh, was his recruiter, right? Yeah, he was a recruiter. David Carl is an interesting story. Came to Denver on scholarship with every intent to play, doing his preseason physical when he was a freshman. They found a heart defect and said, you can't play hockey anymore. And wasn't there... Everybody saw it, thought he was the likely successor, but then they went through a search and people weren't sure he was going to get the job. Yeah, right? and he's young. He's like 28, you know. Oh, he's really? Yeah, he's, he's mm-hmm. taken over that program at that, that young an age. But uh, Boy, one they've of those guys. Nice, they've had a nice run about the last decade, though, haven't good, they? Good, good school. You know, you want to get a full scholarship there because it's yes. about 60 grand a year or <laughs> yes. something like that. You know, and it's a, it's a good Nice town. arena, right? Nice, nice arena, about yeah. six 7,000 seats, which is about the right size there. Uh, Minnesota Duluth going off at 10 to 1 right now. So, uh, Everything I had seen had them as the preseason favorite. Vegas thinks they're going to be just a little bit behind Denver and Notre Dame. So what do they got those two at? Eight to one. Uh, they got uh, Minnesota Notre Dame uh, seven to one uh, seven for Notre one, Dame and ten to one. Duluth at ten to one. Uh, Saint Cloud at twelve to one. North Dakota fourteen to one. Gophers at fifteen to 15 one. Fifteen to so one. Okay. They, they believe in the Motsko regime already, uh, but uh, they Ma- think Saint Cloud's better. Huh? Yeah, Mankato twenty to one. Bemidji hundred to one right now. So put put, okay. put some money on the. Beavers. How many uh, how many uh, recruits from Saint Cloud did Motsko steal? Yeah, I think he got about three or four. Three of them hasn't named his assistant coach yet. By the no, way, that's I still the drama. There we saw him. He, I don't know what he's. Uh, I, I don't think him and Scott Bell were going to... No. It wasn't going to work. That was wasn't going to be a long-term guy wanted, deal. The guy really wanted the job, right? Yeah. Bell? Yeah. And he doesn't get it. And uh, Hey, what's Gensel doing? <laughs> Nothing yet? Scouting, I think. He'll wind up scouting someplace. Go watch Jake play go, for go the watch, Go watch Joe, his kid play. Jake scored 40 goals. And you can watch Matt Cullen play for the Penguins again. That's I think this right. is... <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> I love that guy. I said, if you're if you are a Stanley Cup contender... And you know you're going to be playing in the quarterfinals at least. Pittsburgh's the only team, one of the few teams that's going to sign a guy to win a faceoff with 90 <laughs> seconds to go in their end and a one-goal lead. That's and why they signed him. And they have that luxury. They <laughs> yeah, can do that. That's why they signed him. Nothing else. They want him to win a faceoff in a one-goal game. 
in the last five minutes. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, some bittersweet news out of Madison. Our friend Jim Johansson, who passed away last yes. winter, suddenly uh, he's going to be inducted to the Wisconsin Athletics Hall of Fame, and uh, nice, nice honor for him and for his family. A good, good hockey player there, and you know, a big name. How are they going to be? They're going to be all right. They're 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 on their way up. They're recruiting again. Granado you know, can now worry about coaching Wisconsin instead of running exactly. around coaching the junior team. And right? some of the some of the bad blood with the fan base that had come from the end of the Mike Eves era, I think, is is fading quickly. So uh, yeah, I think they're going to be uh, they're going to be better. They're on, they're a program on the are, way up. Are they Gulf's favored in the Big Ten or no, no. Notre Dame? No, Notre Dame and Michigan will still Michigan be the top two it. teams. Mich- Michigan is loaded with a bunch of really? young talent. That, uh, that uh, okay, who we got? We got uh, the guy from. Uh, Michigan Tech, Mel Pearson. Mel Pearson's right? there. You died again. Who's coaching Michigan Tech? Uh, oh boy, I was knew you were going. I knew. I knew it's my last hockey half hour, uh, and you were going to stump me with something. Yeah, one is, uh, one of his assistants okay. is there. Michigan Michigan Tech is not uh, not uh, on Man, my radar is as much. Mankato supposed to be good. Mankato will be pretty good again. Okay, you know they'll, are we they'll playing them. Are the Goofs playing them? I not? think so. Yeah, okay, good. Gophers have a fun schedule because they have that home and home with Minnesota Duluth to open and then up. Then they got the Vegas game. Then they, then they go to Vegas for one game. Is it Joe Shawin? Shawin? Yeah. Techs? Yes. Coach? Okay. Yes, it is. You knew that off the top of your head? Well, of course, Patrick. I follow this. You know, like By the way, called Dr. Google. There's right. going to be some North Dakotans. That never return after they go out there for that Vegas <laughs> hockey game. It's going to be like when Green Bay goes out there the first time. Their population is going to be like eight thousand less. Here's here's the uh, mistake they made. They're, they've got like this seven thousand seat arena at one of the casinos, yes, and that's where I've they're playing. It. They could have played it, you know, at the yeah. big rink and and sold yeah. it out. I'm sure, but uh, they had already sold. I the saw my uh, nephew play an ECHL game in that. Uh, arena, Las Vegas Wranglers, or somebody Whichever, like that. Probably, uh, I think it's it in the Orleans Arena. Yeah, the Orleans. Yeah, yeah. Orleans, yeah. Orleans yeah. Casino. Yeah. yeah, okay, absolutely. One you more know, hockey item, and then tell me about the great outdoor show. That reminds me of a great story. Ben Chersky, star at North Dakota back in the fifties, said, "You know, he said they'd take the train down Minnesota, and it was absolutely packed. You know, with all mm-hmm. these North Dakota fans." He said, "Maybe about half of them would actually make it to Williams Arena. <laughs> you know, you, you wouldn't actually yeah, see all I get of them." To the but. city, man. Uh, Jerry Welsh, uh, former Fighting Saints player. Coached at Ohio State for 20 years. He's also going into the Buckeyes Hall of Fame, so congrats to him. He was briefly a, a fighting saint uh, under, I think it was Harry Neal was the coach back then? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Harry yeah. was their coach. Yeah. yeah, that's it. And Sean Moore was their coach, too. Before we get to the great outdoors, Patrick, thank yeah. you. It's been a, it's been great fun talking hockey with oh, you. Oh, yeah, and, it's good. Uh, and uh, I appreciate uh, all you've done, all the great conversations we've had, and I hope I still see you in the press box now and then. Um, I may be more often than three times a year now that I've got <laughs> nothing else to do. We're talking, um, we're talking bear hunting. It's bear, bear season. Hunting. Yeah, okay. That, Did we still up? throw garbage out under the tree and then shoot them in the head when one, they're down there one of, the tree? One of the rare outdoors <laughs> where they uh, They still, let you bait them. They still allow you, allow you to bait them. And like I tell you. Bear baiting is a nasty business because you use some really, really foul yeah, stuff yeah. to attract a bear. You use, you know, restaurant grease. You can use, you know, dead turkeys from an old turkey farm if you know somebody. If I was a bear. Yeah, uh, we'd get you with one of those salted caramels. If Pat. I was a bear, I'd get a partner, right? And when I saw <laughs> the garbage there, I'd say, okay, I'm going to lurk around here in the weeds. You go you for the garbage. Sneak up. Yep. No, you sneak no, up. You, climb you up go the first. tree and eat him. <laughs> Eat the guy with the gun. 
you know? But wouldn't he see you first before he climbed the tree if you're going by well, that you logic? Yeah, uh, you know, get you got to know. No, no right. here's the deal. You're making a rustle, you're rustling loud, so he's drawing the attention of the hunter and the, and the other mm-hmm. bears. I, I saw this asleep. tactic in one of the Jurassic Park movies. I think. <laughs> yeah, right. One, yeah, one dinosaur distracts yeah, him and the other one uh, go, yeah, comes in from the backside. Uh, yeah, so goose season opened up too. People are right. hunting geese. Your, your sky carp, my, we're, take, my sky carp we're taking was, care of as many as we can. Oh, kill them. Kill them. <laughs> there. We got a we got a gal down the street who likes to feed them, feed the geese, throw the oh, bread out goodness. there, man, and they're, they're Let me guess, you grew up in Rochester because that's, like that's like yeah, a that's like a sport. Rochester's feeding geese. That's where it started. What is what are the words? Are we killing a lot of geese? I think we're killing a lot of geese. It was interesting. We had a DNR official on a couple weeks ago talk about what a down year it was for geese. I thought you got to be kidding me. <laughs> hey, you can't do, go five feet we, without seeing a goose. This is a real quick question because we got to run. But uh, snows? Do we still get snows and blues? Or still get some snows and blues, but the Canadas are not. Are much more prevalent yeah. than they were. Yeah, snows and blues. Because when I was a kid, there were no honkers. You know, there were no Canadian geese, but like Talcott Lake down there in our area would be just, there'd be 10,000 of them out there. 15,000 yeah. amount of snows and blues, yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. as good eating. The Canadians were always better eating. The Canadians, yeah, that's it. If you do them right, you got to cook them a long if time. If I was a bear. Yeah, well, we have a plan. We wouldn't just walk up there and eat garbage. Hey, hey, dummy. Well, when the garbage is sitting out there, if you got any brains as right. a bear, you know somebody put hey, it there. Someone's it lurking. It just didn't fall. You know, they got to get smarter. The bears, that's my advice to the bears, get smarter. All right. Give us a couple of gongs, will you? Oh, that's right. Give we us do a, couple have to do a couple of gongs. We got gongs? How many shows are left right now? Oh. Well, that was three. Yeah, but okay, that's an extra. <laughs> we'll oh, do yeah. this again tomorrow. Great outdoors coming up right now.